Good morning, everybody. Welcome to um, our Pagabo Building Blocks podcast series. This is episode six, and today we're going to focus on the construction playbook, which was released by the government in December last year, 2020. And today, uh, my guests are, I have Andrew Brooks, who's the National Account Manager from Wilmot Dixon. I have Peter Masonbrook, Associate Director, Supply Chain and Procurement for Faithful and Gould. And I've got Simon Topless, who is the, is the CEO here at Pagabo. And I'm Jarrah Topless, I'm the, the, the usual host, and I'm the, the exec chairman. So uh, before we start, I'd just like to ask all of my guests just to just introduce themselves, tell us a little bit about them. So I'll start with Andrew, then Peter, and then Simon. Morning, Gerard. Uh, yeah, thanks uh, for the opportunity uh, to share thoughts on this. Uh, it's a kind of crucial subject um, and it kind of feels like um, we're at a crucial time for our industry um, as we emerge from Brexit and COVID. So um, my name is Andrew Brooks. Um, I lead Wilmot Dixon's relationship uh, across all the Pagabo frameworks. Um, I'm also the national lead for the department of education um, who are will be massively impacted by these changes. Thank you. Thanks Andrew. Uh, again thanks Gerard uh, and just to reflect on what Andrew's comments there is I, I, I totally concur with his statement there we are actually at a, a very important point in time with with the, the built environment and you know with the notable uh, changes from both the legislation and guidelines uh, to help us and support us to get through this uh, uh, period of, of change is, is really quite reflective and uh, a good opportunity to build on that. Um, so as I say, my name is Peter Mason-Brook. Uh, I work for Faith and Gould. I have done for the last uh, eight years. I've got over 30 years of procurement and supply chain experience, uh, both in the public and private sector. Uh, I've got 10 years of experience within the facilities management services, but probably most notably for the last nine years, I've experienced all uh, uh, procurement supply chain within the built environment. Um, and I've also got uh, uh, another hat, which is looking at capturing social value and performance metrics, uh, and obviously providing that information back from framework providers as well. Thank you. Great. And Simon? Uh, thank you, Gerard. Uh, yeah, and uh, welcome to the uh, uh, other panellists as well. So I echo a lot of the introductory comments, actually, uh, so I won't go into uh, too much detail here. But yeah, I'm Simon Topolis. I'm Chief Executive uh, at Pagabo. Uh, and one of the founder members back in 2013. You could say I'm passionate about procurement. Um, I'm procurement through and through. All my working career has been in procurement, both in the public sector uh, and private sector. So, uh, so obviously running a successful um, framework organisation like Pagabo is obviously very close to what I do and what I've done, and I've built up a lot of experience to bring that into what we do now. So, yeah, I look forward to uh, getting on with the, uh, with the podcast. Great. So, so a great panel today. We've got people from the contracting. We've got people from um, the uh, uh, the sort of procurement side, and also from the sort of sort of professional services side. So it's a good mix. So I'm going to let's let's kick things off. Let's start with what are your initial thoughts on the playbook? So Andrew, just give me your perspective on what you think about the playbook. Thanks, Gerard. Um, yeah, it's, it's certainly a comprehensive document and it does seem to follow the direction of travel um, set by other key documents that were issued kind of last year. Um, will it be adopted and make a difference? I suppose that's a key question. Um, well, I certainly hope so. Um, I think it's vitally important our industry adopts these recommendations and modernises for the future before someone else does it for us. Um, 
in terms of kind of standout points for me, um, it's hard to pick out any kind of standout features of it because there are so many uh, within the document. Um, so I'd like to pick out two, uh, if that's okay. Uh, my first one really is the early supply chain involvement section. Um, as a, as a partner in the built environment network, um, we know um, the earlier we are involved, uh, the more value we can add to the start of the process when the cost of change is, is at its lowest. So that's important for me. Uh, the second standout feature really is the outcome-based approach. Um, I'm hopeful this will support a kind of move away from lowest price, transferring all the risk models um, to a more rounded approach to what value represents for each customer. Um, I think this is crucially uh, important for improving kind of quality and productivity in our industry, Gerard. Great. Uh, uh, that early contractor engagement is a really interesting point. And obviously, as a contractor, the earlier you're involved, I can see there are real benefits of that. Um, when you take that with the consultant side, then, Peter, you know, how do you, you know, what's your view of that early contractor piece in terms of linking in with the contractors? Yeah, it's, it's, it, it does play back into the playbook in, in, in a big way because obviously what, the, what they're actually saying in the playbook is that the, the earlier you get uh, involvement with, with the contractor and the supply chain, then obviously that, that helps to understand the impact of the uh, requirements from the client's perspective and really understanding how we can develop uh, the, the right opportunity of, of, the, uh, of the built environment uh, requirement. And then really fitting into that is, is you know, looking at how uh, you can drive uh, reduction in costs, but more importantly, uh, and it refers to it quite a lot in the playbook around developing the outcomes um, and if you can do that jointly between yourselves and, and the contractor, then it's, it's all around a collaboration approach. And you, what you're trying to do is, is make sure that you're meeting the, the end client's requirements. Uh, so if you've got them on the journey from day one, then what you can actually get, look at doing is making sure that you're meeting, meeting them client's requirements. Yeah, that, I mean, the, one of the things I've noted, noticed from listening to Fergus Harridance and when he's talked about the playbook is really this you know, the, the government are really keen to involve SMEs now in their, you know, make sure that they're paid properly, paid fairly, they get, they get uh, paid promptly, uh, promptly. And, and that's, that's really important. Um, so that early engagement and getting those supply chains in must be really beneficial. Simon, what, what, what's your view on that? And, and, you know, do you have a view particularly from the framework side? You've cut off a couple of, couple of points there. I'll try, I'll try and touch on both of them. Um, Andrew introduced, uh, supported by Peter as well, you know, the, the, uh, the early supply chain involvement, uh, which I think is kind of an extension of the principle of the early contractor involvement uh, that we're all, all used to hearing. Uh, but I think the key factor there uh, to make that work is you're going to have trust from all parties on that. That might take some time. So I think we do have to engender you know, a high level of trust in terms of opening up what we can and can't do, what the art of the possible is, ultimately to get to the, the right outcomes for, um, for the clients at the end of the day. Uh, from an SME point of view, uh, we do, at Pagaba, we develop and promote SME-friendly frameworks. They're absolutely integral to uh, what Pagaba is about uh, and is going to help build the construction sector up again, particularly out, uh, out of these difficult times from COVID. Now, things like reserving spaces for not just SMEs, but micro and small businesses as well. Uh, and across our 10 frameworks that we have, 70% of the suppliers uh, are in that SME category. Uh, and I think just to touch upon that as well, you know, inc encourage, encouraging um, you know, SMEs getting involvement, the supply chains of the larger contractors, 
And I think fair payment is really important as well. And I think, you know, we ask for evidence on our, how our contractors on our frameworks track the management of their supply chain and how they ensure prompt payment or whether they're, they've signed up to uh, the membership of the UK prompt payment code as well. So it's a whole host of things there, uh, hopefully just touching on some of the things that have, uh, have been said by the panelists as well. Okay, so uh, so that yeah, they're, they're, they're great points. And Fergus and the government are really keen on uh, on on SMEs being treated properly because they are uh, pretty much an engine room for everybody. You know, we all know that quite a lot of the the people on a building site, on a construction site, are probably going to be small businesses themselves because that's the way our, our sort of sector works. Moving that on a little bit, you know, just see, we know we know SMEs are particularly. Uh, responsible for innovation because that's a lot of in, a lot of innovation comes from SMEs. They start the business, they've, they've left a, an organisation for whatever reason, and and we're seeing quite a lot of that at the moment because of coronavirus. Uh, there's a lot of movement in in organisations in our sector, so there's a lot of new businesses starting, um, and it talks about innovation, okay, and uh, it talks about maybe you know the theme is our sector, the the construction sector second only to fishing is probably one of the least innovative sectors in 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 the uk plc um and there's a real opportunity to try and do something that was uh, probably achieved in the in the retail sector so you know we know smes are strong in innovation but it isn't it isn't it isn't just smes that innovate so i'm interested peter how how does f and g innovate and what's your views on it yeah um you, you, you're quite correct gerard that the 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 built environment isn't very notable for uh, uh, driving innovation. We, we tend to keep to the, the, the traditional way of, of, of build and working in the, in the same way every time. And that's probably, you know, uh, the comfortable zone that we all, we all love to be in. Um, but, but you're right, I think there, there is a now a point in time where we realistically need to look at um, looking at the opportunity of driving innovation. Um, and that, and again, you're quite correct, Gerard, that really brings from the, 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 the SMEs, they're, they're the opportunity that we really need to capture that, that from that perspective. From an F&G perspective, 83% um, of our supply chain is, 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 is SMEs. So we really encourage the opportunity of uh, engagement and looking at developing a strong relationship with the SMEs because that's, that's where the, the growth will be um, from from some of these areas, particularly around uh, new ideas, new driving, new digital uh, innovation, and, and new tools from that perspective as well. So what we've done is, you know, we've we've looked at setting up uh, events, um, meet the buyer events, innovation uh, hubs, uh, and really encouraging SMEs to really come up with some of the new new ideas that we can really adopt within within the built environment from that perspective. Um, you know, you've, you've mentioned that you obviously, Gerard, that you've, you've got some really good, powerful tools with, with the Pagable app and, you know, uh, and Moonbeam and, and Cypro. And that's all great stuff. That's really some of that's grown from SMEs. And that's what we really need to do is, is look at these these new ideas and drive them forward with the, with the opportunity of the business. OK, that's great. I mean, you know, that 83 percent of the supply chain is fantastic, you know, being SME. So that's really that's really encouraging. Simon, um, uh, Framework, Pagawa, what, what's your, you know, how, how are you, you know, embracing innovation? Yeah, sure. Innovation is, it's all encompassing. Uh, but but one, one thing that springs to mind for Pagabo is our recently forged research agreement with the University of Sheffield Advanced Manufacturing Research Centre. That's aiming to challenge the current methods in the construction sector uh, to come up with fresh ideas um, and innovations that embrace new technology uh, and advanced manufacturing methods. But so far, we've achieved some really important research into harnessing technology to streamline health and safety methods on construction sites. So we're, we're driving to create real change 
and drive economic growth to establish the UK as a, as a true global innovator. When this collaboration will bring the sector together, it will unify the common objectives and drive forward real change. Um, so we're building up an enterprise that seeks to leverage new techniques uh, in innovation and automation and in also automation too. Uh, so we, we intend to build on the government's agenda on procuring for value uh, and its build, build, build initiative. But we also want to foster a new way of doing this that future proofs the construction sector, secures jobs and builds sustainability, you know, with the, uh, with the output of, you know, economic, social uh, and environmental processes in mind. So, yeah, innovation is really, really important to us. We're driving a lot of, a lot of change there through Pagabo. That's, that's fantastic. And I can see that with the Future Lab stuff that uh, Pagabo is doing as well. Uh, Andrew, so, you know, we've talked a lot about SMEs innovating. Now, I know Wilmot Dixon, you're certainly not an SME. Okay, you know, you're, you're, you're certainly would be class in that area. But I know you innovate and it's close to what you do. So do you want to just give us, you know, a main contractor's perspective of how you see innovation? Yeah, um, I mean, there's, I suppose you could split it down into two areas. There, there's the kind of small um, innovations that um, are, are constantly happening um, across our business um, at site level and, and within our offices um, and, and there's loads of pockets of, of, of that happening and that's kind of driven by our um, partners and, and our people that work for us um, and then you, the, you get the kind of the bigger areas that you, you focus on as a business and, and you know in terms of Wilmot Dixon, um, one of our biggest, uh, one of our big focuses, um, and it has been for quite some time now, is is, is reducing our carbon footprint, um, and um, we're doing a lot of work on that. We've just launched our uh, now or never strategy uh, that sets out some key targets uh, on sustainability uh, over the next. Uh, 10 or 20 years um, and we're, we're kind of asking for like-minded customers and partners to kind of join us on that journey. Um, similarly, uh, we're investing kind of millions of pounds in um, standardization and digitization. Uh, they're two big themes at the moment. Um, I'm personally involved in kind of refining our kind of platform designs for, for learning environments. Um, and we're also working on harvesting kind of better data from completed projects. We have a product called uh, Energy Synergy, which um, looks at energy in use um, and against what the design um, use was anticipated to be. And that, that's kind of a huge thing for us all um, because uh, you know one of the big things is trying to reduce uh, the performance gap on, on on projects so so those those are the kind of areas that um you know we are uh, innovating on and, and spending money on at the moment um and and we will in future we'll share that with with our customers we're a very sharing organization we don't like to keep things to ourselves um so so i, I think it's a massively exciting time for the industry you know and and, and kind of i'm hopeful that you know young people out there will um We'll see that uh, and, and we'll follow a kind of similar journey uh, to myself because, you know, I personally owe a, a huge debt of gratitude um, to the industry for helping me thrive. That's, that's, a, that's a great summary. I, I, I'd echo it myself, actually. I mean, for me, it's about a life of careers rather than a career for life. Let's get people into the industry and then when they're here, let's never let them leave. <laughs> they can work for different organisations, but let's never let them leave. So... That, that's good to see that innovation coming across the scale of the businesses that are involved. And it, it's, it's good to hear from, from both sides of that. 
it leads a little bit into, particularly that last piece you said, Andrew, into um, social value, better, faster, greener. And that whole social value piece, which is around people, it's around sustainability, it's around procuring for value. There's a number of other initiatives as aligned to the construction playbook, PPNs, you know, more investments in, in social value that, and, 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 and seeing the, the leveraging of social value could be a real way to sort of kickstart and certainly monitor and manage our, our road out, out of the pandemic. Um, now, I know F&G are particularly big on, on social value. Do you want to tell us how you think, yeah, or, or, or how you do it, how you manage it, and also how you're linking it back to the playbook, please, Peter? Yeah, I'm more than happy to do that. Um, so, firstly, sort of replaying, replaying it to the around the, the, the playbook, um, it, it mentions quite a, 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 on a lot of occasions around outcomes and not obviously just bottom line costs, but over, total overall life cycle value. And that really fits into, into social value and, and the aspect of, you know, what is the purpose of why you're building the asset? You know, what is the, the aspect around consideration around the local community? And social value really fits in, in, into all that category within the playbook. Then you obviously, as you say, Gerard, you've got the PPN 0620 notice that, that came live at the beginning of this year. And that really suggests five themes that the central government uh, uh, bodies need to consider within the tendering opportunity and then on top of that you've got the, the green paper around procurement and there's a clear indication around social value in that as well so it, 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 it is a real hot topic so what we're doing in faith and gold is 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 is, is looking at how we we've embedded social value within the whole of the of the delivery of of, of projects so that's really setting that through the reba stages so if you look at early engagement with the client and that's really setting the the social value objectives that the client wants and the local community and you green them social value objectives so that, that you're optimizing the delivery of social value throughout the project and that's through the design phase and capturing the social value both both from what we can deliver on social value and through the through the design of the of the of the of the asset as well um, we can obviously help through the procurement activity and adding social value into the procurement building documentation and making sure there's a clear goal and criteria around that and then obviously through the, the construction phase is helping and supporting the contractors to capture and optimize social value from that perspective. But the most important bit is the, is the, is the lasting legacy bit. And that's based, based on the aspect of why is the asset being built? And then what you can do, and we, and we use, we, we use as yourself, Gerard, using the social profit calculator, we can actually look at a monetary value against the uh, against the asset for the next 25 years and that's really demonstrating what the, the social value that's going to be contributed um on on that asset which is a really really opportunity so that's what we're doing fng that's great it's a great summary and that that evidencing piece is quite interesting really because i think i think there's been a lot of yeah, work done you know very very good work on forecasting and then yep. looking at it in the procurement stage but that evidencing piece actually is demonstrating you do actually get the social value that you've yeah. actually predicted uh, throughout mm. the project is, is extremely important, particularly on that whole whole life and, and the, the whole life cost side yeah. of, of the project. So, Andrew, in uh, at, at Wilmot's and in, in some of your projects, you know, tell me about the social value approach, but also you know, do, do you do stuff to evidence it and how you actually measure that, you know, sort of probably during and, and after even mm. uh, the construction phase is finished? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a huge, um, it's a huge area for us, really, and has been for a number of years now. Um, and, um, you know, we do, we, we've, we've invested quite a lot of money in, in digitising uh, a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, we, we've, 
we've got a structure within our business, uh, within our regional offices that deliver real social value at ground level. Um, a lot of the things that we would be familiar with, um, not just the kind of apprenticeships and things like that, but you know, the, 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 the local spend, you know, the massive targets around um, spending locally with, with SMEs, um, it's huge. But we, we yeah, like I said before, we, we've invested heavily in digitizing that to make it easier for our people to kind of record that so we've got kind of my uh, project which is um you know a, a digital platform um and i'm kind of pleased to uh, announce that we, we we are working now with um social profit calculator to allow the data that we collect um and we collect a huge amount of data on, on stuff like this can be uh, automatically uh, transferred over to social profit calculator and ultimately into the my pagabo app um, because what we want to make uh, it, this process kind of seamless really we, we you know we none of us want to be uh, inputting kind of or employing people to input data when when the data is already there so 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 huge huge um thing there i, I do want to pick up on what Pete, peter said because that is a very valid point um it's quite easy to look at social value purely in the construction phase and i, and I think uh, we need to start to look at um things um, more holistically and and um what i would say that um you know the the pagabo developer led framework is a is a huge opportunity there because this these are programs of work um over many many years um and we've certainly made commitments within um our submission to um to, to look at social value across the whole life cycle not just the construction phase so i think that's a, a really important point there gerard no, that's great and and you know I, I've, I've seen what you do and I think it's it's fantastic I've seen what FNG and I've seen what all of our supply suppliers do actually and I think there's a real motivation now on that social value piece um, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cover social value with, with Simon on, on, on Pagabo you might you might bring it into your next answer though Simon Andrew touched on program not project you know, which I think is quite interesting because that whole idea of being able to manage or, or deliver a number of projects will certainly have an impact on value, on the cost, and also the social value outcome. So what, what's Pagabo's role as a framework provider in programme and not project? Okay. Um, yeah, it's very good and interesting points there. I, I will, will make one comment with regards to social value generally. I've been in procurement for almost 30 years uh, both public and private sector. Um, and I've been through this cycle um, previously. I remember particularly in, in the late 90s, uh, working for a large American organization in terms of really strengthening up the procurement and supplier relationship management offering. But thinking and reflecting on that to, to now, there are two glaring exceptions there from, from what we did in the work back then to what this um, playbook is suggesting. Uh, and that is around a massive focus now on, on social value and also the need to reduce greenhouse gas emissions uh, to net zero by 2050 as well. I don't think we've touched upon that yet, but that is really, really uh, important and hopefully working collaboratively uh, together. Uh, and then now moving into that particular question about program, uh, not project, uh, I think is really going to be vital uh, to the success of that. Okay, so uh, on that one, um, the focus on procuring for value is, is, is a big step in the right direction. 
the, the government is trying to get purchasers to to understand the whole life cost of schemes rather than just the the upfront costs. Uh, this isn't new, as many people in the industry have been banging that drum for quite some time now. But this means there is a need to educate purchasers on what best value uh, and whole life value actually is, uh, which can be delivered through looking at a programme as opposed to a uh, project by project basis. It's not just about the monetary costs, I think, as we've mentioned. We also need to work with public sector organisations to define this. I feel that uh, framework providers do have an important role to play here. Uh, they are an efficient method for government to procure public works, uh, but many clients across the public sector also use frameworks in order to get the best possible outcomes as well. Outcomes is a big and major theme uh, in the playbook. So this is where the creation of a gold standard for frameworks would benefit everyone working in procurement across the industry. For example, frameworks will vary in the commercial offerings, so transparency of costs will be important. So contracting authorities aren't caught out by hidden extras. Uh, in the same way that the public sector uh, needs to consider the suitability of a consultant or a contractor like an FNG or a Wilmot Dixon, uh, it also must choose a framework provider as well, uh, equally as carefully. So this means that framework providers must provide simple, affordable uh, and also accessible solutions. Uh, but more than this, uh, they must be transparent about their costs and compliance as well. But, you know, the, the programme rather than project is, is important and we, we see that when uh, a user of the framework or a client uses our services. We have people in the team who understand that as well. Uh, I talk about having talent density. We have experts in construction who have a, a fantastic knowledge of public sector procurement and uh, practitioners in public sector procurement who have a fantastic knowledge of, of construction. And together the team can, can really help the clients understand what the longer term is, what it means, uh, in terms of looking at your program rather than your project um, and from that you know we will deliver through the framework this framework and other frameworks hopefully uh, you know much better outcomes that are longer lasting and will will hit some of those targets that have been set uh, uh, set out uh, in the playbook and have been set by the government that's a, that's a that's a good that's a good sort of summary as well there from 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 Simon at, at Pagaba I mean the the, the targets that the government sets, there's lots of targets around and, uh, climate control, net carbon, we have that, um, including uh, getting more innovation into our sector, uh, build back better, um, levelling up. It will be interesting to see next week, actually, because obviously next week we'll be faced with a budget, so we'll, we'll see where, where, where the government actually see our industry uh, in the next sort of period. I mean, we are, I, I guess, we are very lucky to be working in an industry which has 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 been able to um, uh, offer an element of COVID resilience, let's be fair to say, and 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 that's been important to us, uh, and I think we have a uh, therefore we have a responsibility to try and continue that as part of the the, the economy. So I, I think we covered quite a lot there uh, this morning, and I just wanted to sort of sort of summarise or, or, or finish off and say, okay, you know, I want to ask each of you just to provide me with a, a thirty second answer to this this last question to uh, just to try and put you on the spot a little bit but um you know we've talked about innovation we've talked about sme engagement we've talked about um a program and not project we talked about social value so you know you you sit and work in your organizations what you know just give me give me each of you and i'll, I'll start with andrew and then I'll, I'll go to peter and simon can be last just say what is your what is your one top tip everybody listening to this to um, to to help deliver the principles of the construction playbook 
over the next sort of three to five years? One tip, 30 seconds, Andrew. Yeah, good question. Um, I'm sure there's much wiser people out there that will come up with a better response, but I, I just like to keep things simple, really. Um, so so let, let's not waste uh, the opportunity to make this change, um, more so than any other time during my career, certainly. Um, the environment is right and we, we need to ensure that we don't mess this up really. Um, and, I, and I kind of, I, I use a quote from a Marvel film that I watched recently, which said, during times of, times of uncertainty, the strong build bridges, the weak build barriers. I think that's important. And um, I think we all need to act responsibly um, and hold others to account uh, when they're not following the playbook's principles. So, so I suppose to summarize my one tip, act responsibly, keep it simple. That's a great, that's a great tip, and you know, great to see we're weaving Marvel films into uh, the construction playbook. Maybe we should make a note to Fergus and the team at Bayes, and, and maybe seen all the Marvel films. So that'd be great. So Peter, your thirty seconds. Cool. Well, I'd actually, um, when I uh, read the, the entire play, play, playbook, um, I'd actually highlighted three uh, elements, Gerard, which I'll, which I'll mention third, third, and I'll, I'll do, a, I'll do a top top three and give the, the one one answer, which I've nearly done 30 seconds to not even answer the question. Um, there were third, three things, which was collaboratively, I'm working with all levels of the supply chain. The second one was social value, sustainability and asset performance. And the third one, um, which, which it mentions quite a bit in the playbook, which is improving safety, enabling innovation, and ironically, it actually says reducing, reducing costs, which is quite, quite, quite strange that when, when you look at it, it should be around best value. But the bit to me uh, is, is I think it, it goes backwards to that. So I reckon that reducing costs is the, the, the third. Uh, social value, sustainability and asset performance is second. But I think the, the, the message really is around collaboration and working very closely together with, with the whole of the supply chain, engaging with SMEs and micro-businesses and BCSEs and getting the whole benefit around why we should really drive in the, right, driving the investment with through the supply chain. No, but that's the, the great. I mean, the collaboration piece is, is very good because if you collaborate, you know, you can achieve everything it says in the playbook anyway, can't you? Because, Absolutely. you know, we all know that, 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 you know, when you start collaborating, there's lots of, you're getting a lot of grey matter to, to work on the heavy lifting together. So, so that's it. So, uh, so Simon, you've got 30 seconds and, you know, you need to keep yours for 30 seconds, not, not 94 like Peter. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll try for 30 seconds and I've got one point as well. Uh, I'll lead in though with this. I learned from a very, um, uh, early stage or early part of my procurement career that the biggest enemy of a good procurement is lack of time. Simple as that. So rushing the preparation and not doing it full justice should be avoided at all costs. So what jumps out for me then is that 10 out of the 14 key policies in the playbook are in the first of the five phases of procurement, the preparation and planning phase. This section alone is 50% of the playbook. So without sounding like I'm stating the obvious, if you don't get this right, then you're going to seriously threaten project success from achieving the best outcomes. So for me, it's all about getting the preparation and planning spot on. That will lead into a successful uh, outcome. Simple as that. So that's uh, failing to plan is planning to fail. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that's from a Marvel film, but uh, it, it's certainly quite a good quote. So no, that was a great, that was a great summary of the playbook. Really enjoyed it today. So. I just want to say uh, thank you to my guests, which were Andrew Brooks, National Account Manager, Wilmot Dixon, uh, Peter Mason-Brook, Associate Director, Supply Chain and Procurement, Maple and Gould, 
Thank you. And Simon Topless, the CEO of Pagabo. And I'd just like to say to everybody, please enjoy the podcast and look out for episode seven, which will be on your uh, podcast platform very, very soon. So thank you all for listening and uh, take care.